0: Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to um, Exodus chapter, Exodus, no, um, Acts chapter 2, no fair, teaching Tuesday night material on Sundays, that's where we're at on Tuesdays. I'm going to carry a bottle of water with me this morning because I feel the coffee attack coming on soon, so um, we'll work through it, <laughs> we'll, we'll be alright. But hey, um, grab your Bible, like I said, turn to Acts chapter 2. Um, it's been my experience as I follow Christ and uh, want to, to see him do great things in people's lives and uh, the pleasure that I have of being a teacher and a pastor. And uh, so when God does something like cool and, and fun and energetic in someone's life, they, they tell me, they say, hey, pastor, guess what? Or hey, Mr. Hobbs, guess what? And um, Or I've heard several times in my life, from other teachers. Oh, you're the Bible teacher. You'll love this story. Oh, you're a pastor. You'll love this story. So I get to hear like all these cool stories, all these things that are going on in people's lives. And um, along with those cool stories, I I hear stories of like, like defeat and stories of like shrinking back and Um, I know that we live in a culture today that has a lot of questions and that has a lot of accusations, right? And um, as you follow Christ, you may be a recipient of those, of those questions and of those accusations. And it has been my experience that those with the questions and accusations speak loudly. You notice that? Those that hate the christian church and that are 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 antagonistic towards the gospel they seem in our culture today to speak very very loudly yet those of us with the answers those of us with the promise of this power this holy spirit power we tend to shrink back we tend to keep quiet we tend to feel like oh I. I'm the only one that kind of believes this I'm the only one that has this perspective I'm gonna kind of, I feel alone so I'm, I'm gonna kind of be quiet in this and then maybe you're a Christian and and a lot of people question you a lot of people question why you follow Jesus why you go to a church why you, believe what you believe why you stay away from certain things and why you call certain things good and certain things bad and 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 when you do that in a culture such as ours today you get questioned and and you get accused of being many many things and and what has happened is we have kind of taken a step back we've we've bought the lie that to speak of Jesus is is incorrect and is is offensive and and that it is somehow um, politically incorrect to call something Good and something bad. Um, we have kind of shrunk back from that, even somewhat in our own in our own living. And, and we're the ones with with the answers. We, we have the answer. And Jesus told us that when the power of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, you will have power to be my witnesses. So, but we, so many of you, um, I hear so often, you'll tell me stuff because it's safe. Oh, Pastor, I think this and this and this and this it's safe you're you're in a safe territory you come here to church and you're in safe territory for the most part (laughs) and uh you're here you'll dialogue with people you know it's much easier for me to be transparent with other pastors much easier you know it's much easier for me to be transparent with people that think the way i think because I can, you know, oh, you know, and I throw that out there. and we, I know I'm not going to get questioned or accused. I'm not going to get, as we would say in our culture today, judged for something. Um, so so I, I can do that. And, and I hear so many times people walking away from conversations saying, well, I know I really should have said, but I didn't want to offend or I didn't want to hurt their feelings or I didn't want to, you know, cause unity or something like that and, and so we're living in, a, in an age where there is so much division right and I've been saying for for months even maybe years that I am so excited for the opportunity that church people have that we have this this wonderful opportunity set before us as our country flies out of control of division that we can bring unity. That we can teach the world, we can teach our friends and neighbors how to disagree respectfully, how to have different opinions on matters. Because within the church there are so many different opinions, aren't there? There are so many different things. Going on, and uh, I know in, in the circles of, that I live in, the path with pastors, you know, where did you study? Where did you get that degree or this degree? What system of theology are you, you know, all this stuff, right? And so, we get all these kinds of divisions going on, and sometimes it's not necessarily if you have a degree or not, it's well, where did you get the degree? Oh, you got a degree from there, and uh, you know, all of this kind of stuff going on where do you go to church well what, what, what does that church believe as opposed to the church down the street and so often I get the questions well what makes the Nazarene different than, than a, a Baptist and I'm like why are you focused on that why do you even ask that question why are you asking me what, how, what why don't you ask me what we have in common because what we have in common is 99% of what we believe <laughs> and then we've got handful of differences that are on the periphery of things, not even really big deals. But I want to talk to you today about this idea of sharing the Christian faith in times of questions and accusations. You know, in my prayer with these young ladies here, I was so excited because some of the reports coming out of the next generation, like this age group and some young teenagers, teenagers today, of what they believe and what they might, Um, Be doing and what God might do through them there might be a a, a big revival coming through this generation that are now teenagers and and pre adolescent little guys. Do you know why? Do you know why some scholars think that there's a revival coming to the church? Which we all are excited about right? They're so excited wouldn't that be I mean for us to look at our kids our grandkids our kids and to say God is going to do another revival because you know it's been a while in America, right? The last quote unquote revival that, that we all believed kind of what was an amazing move of God in the United States, it was it was in the 60s and 70s with the Jesus movement, right? Greg Laurie, Pastor Chuck, old Calvary kind of thing, this Jesus movement with the hippies. Remember that? It was so amazing. And so it's been, a, it's been a little while, hasn't it? It's been a little while since there's been this major move in the church. But one of the major reasons why scholars are looking at this next generation and saying it's through them that God's going to bring this revival across America. Do you know why? Because they're looking at us and going, well, that doesn't work. And that, that way you, were, you were so excited. You were so thrilled. You're like, oh yes, my kids and my grandkids, so God's going to do a great work through them. But that great work that God perhaps would spark through this next generation is that next generation looking at this current generation and saying, what you guys are doing is not working. What you guys are doing in in displaying this idea that there's no real truth to stand on, that there's just opinions, that there's just feelings, that there's just emotions, that everybody is, is hurt and everybody's offended and everybody's feeling judged and everybody's anxious and everybody's all turned upside down emotionally and everybody's divided and there's there's no uni- unity there's no solid place to f- put my feet, they're looking at the generation ahead of them and they're saying I can't live the rest of my life with that level of uncertainty I need something to stand on I need a truth to stand on I need somebody to t- stand up and say this is right and this is wrong, this is good and this is bad and the generation that's coming up is looking at you and say you guys are just weak minded individuals that won't say what you really think and the people that are culturally loudest are the ones with all the questions and accusations so me being a teacher of these teenagers every week and seeing that they're asking they're looking to this generation and they're saying I know we complain and we push against them I know we don't want rules and we don't want regulations and we don't want demands and we don't want standards but we really do We're going to fight with you, we're going to argue with you, we're going to push against, but please don't stop giving us the rules. The context of this message today is this. As many heard the mighty deeds of God spoken in their own language by those filled with the Holy Spirit, many questioned the meaning of this event, and others just simply said they were drunk. We looked at that last week. And there was this amazing Thing happened. This amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was this initial event when God gave His Holy Spirit to the church, and then right there in Jerusalem, with 120 people praying and and looking to Jesus, staying unified in a place of danger. And when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, they started to proclaim how wonderful God was. And it was like the sound of a mighty rushing wind that was filling this whole part of the city in Jerusalem. And people started to gather, and they started to gather around because people were po- proclaiming the greatness of God. And when they started to gather around, they started to say, this is amazing. We're hearing how wonderful God is. But then some other people were standing around going, well, I don't know about this. I don't even know. What, what, what does this mean? What is, what is all this stuff about God? And What is all this stuff about how great he is? I, I question that. I, I question why you're doing this. I question your motives. I question what this means. And then someone, went, you're just drunk. You're on something. You see, and how quick sometimes we are to be excited about something, to be excited about what God might do in our life, what you think to be right and wrong, good and bad, and then when we, you get questioned, or you, you're go, you just drunk, or you're just crazy, or you're just blind, or you're just ignorant, oh, you're just you know stupid, oh, you're just weak. That's why you need this Christian thing. How soon we just kind of shrink back. I want <clears throat> to ask you a question, when's the last time you were in a place, this is a question for you to think about, don't answer out loud when was the last time you were in a situation where a Christian idea, a moral uh, perspective an idea, a concept a theological doctrine the existence of Jesus something within the context of Christianity was questioned, you felt that in your gut that desire that I should say something I should, I really, this, I really should, you knew what to say, it was in you, the opportunity was there, but you just kind of went, oh, maybe I, I won't, when when's the last time you shrunk back from speaking about the mighty works of God? Well, today I want to give you some things, and and uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go a little fast, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sick, and so, again, don't be offended if I step this way after the service, and don't shake your hand, it's for your blessing, it's for your good, that I don't say hello to you today, so, and if you're visiting with us, I'm normally not that rude, so, right, we'll do that, but I just want to give you a few pointers as we unfold this passage of scripture this morning, and it is this. The first one starts with this: that how, how do we deal with this sharing the Christian faith in, in the times of question and accusation? I, I believe that the first thing we need to do, this is, is so plain, it's so obvious, it's almost laughable. And, and, and it really it might be quite funny, um, but it's simply this: Peter made a statement of common sense. This is just common sense. Just, just common sense. Notice what Peter says in verse 14 and 15. He says, But Peter. Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice to address them, those that were questioning and saying that they were drunk. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Now I find this kind of funny because he sets it up like he's going to make this big, grand announcement, doesn't he? Men of Judah. Like he's just like, hey, being sick, that sounded more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of cool. I usually don't sound that cool. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Nine of Judah. <laughs> and all, why do I find that funny? And all who dwell in Jerusalem. It's like this big announcement coming. It's only on the third of the day. That's your grand announcement? That's, d- d- duh. He's a drunk. Huh. He's just like, drunk. There's no way they get I mean, it's physically impossible for them to drink so much wine in such so a little time for them to get drunk. And we can go all over the place of what the alcohol content all is, whatever, right? But he makes this statement, common sense, common sense statement, and so much of the debate over the value of Christianity and the existence of God is just common sense, and there are so many books today that are written that common sense is no longer common. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that we struggle with, we're perplexed by them, we're at awe by them. And the answers are pretty common. When you take your little kid to the dentist and the dentist says they have 15 cavities, and you're, what? Are you sick? Well, not my little, and no. It, The common sense answer is they probably eat too much sugar. Pretty basic, pretty common. Marriage is falling apart. Well, I wonder how much time do you spend with your spouse. Oh, we're busy, Pastor. And you're wondering why? You're like, no, it's just we just haven't spent enough time together. You mean we have to pay a therapist $150 an hour to learn that? Well, no. See, common sense. Common sense. Can you prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Jesus raised from the dead? And who? Grave's empty, and no one could come up with a better reason why. Common sense. Common sense. All of these ep- epidemics, all of these social problems that we have, and people spending billions upon billions of dollars trying to figure them out. When if we would just obey the simple commands of God, those would go away. I often ask my students, I, and I ask you today, how many social problems would go away if we just followed the Ten Commandments? If we just followed those, just ten simple rules. How many, let me break it down a little bit more, how many social problems would we not have in our culture today if men and women only had sex with their husband or If that's it across the board, how many problems would it just simply go away with just that one? Just hey, listen, sex is between husband and wife. Period. No more questions. Oh, just common sense. What about it? What would our culture be like? What would our world be like? What would 2020 be like if we just decided we can tell the truth? I mean, we just, in about three minutes, we've solved the world's problems. We're gonna stop having sex with people that aren't our spouse, and we're gonna tell the truth. America, the world, would be revolutionized by those two things. Yet millions upon millions upon millions of dollars are pumped into all sorts of things to try to figure these problems out. When you got the plain answers, common sense people, stop lying and stop having sex with people that you're not married to. Pretty much, we're gonna solve the world's problems right there. What about world hunger, Pastor? Well, just we spend about a, it's about the equivalent of what we spend on ice cream every year in America, we could fix the world's hunger problems. So, if, just chill on the ice cream for a second. Did You see what I did there? Chill on the ice cream. <laughs> tough crowd. Tough crowd. Can you just chill on the ice cream for a second? <laughs> Told the truth. Only had sex with your spouse. Problem solved. And so many people, they come to church, and they start to follow Jesus, and they say, oh, no, Christianity doesn't work for me. God's not answering my prayers. Who are you having sex with? What do you, what do you, what do you think about the sexual, what are you watching on TV? What are you reading? Telling the truth. Oh, what? but I. <clears throat> well, what do you mean Christianity doesn't work? Well, it doesn't work if you go run around being a liar. Or what about another one that Jesus says, Jesus simply says, hey, uh, treat others better than you treat yourself. Treat others better than you treat yourself. Oh, okay. So simple. So simple. Radically change the world. The next thing Peter does is a little more tricky and calls for a little more homework on our part is Peter spoke of fulfilled prophecy? In other words, Peter understood and applied the prophetic history of God's word. Now, that, that takes a little bit more work, doesn't it? But notice what he did, starting in verse 16. He says, well, they're not drunk, but this. He says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last day... It shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes." The great and magnificent day, and all, excuse me, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he says to them, listen, statement of common sense. It's too early in the morning for these folks to be drunk. But now let's move to a little bit more comprehensive understanding of what is going on. That's not going on. But this is going on. In other words, God said this would happen. And if you were listening to God and in tune with God, and familiar with God's word, you would look at the happenings of your world, you would look at the happenings of your culture and your community, you would read the Bible, and you would go, oh, okay, will that makes sense. So you would read this, look at this, okay. Back when people read newspapers, it would be, you were told by pastors, you would read your newspaper with your Bible open. And the world would make sense to you. wouldn't make sense. So, one of the major frustrations that people that I have, that do what I do, pastoring, one of the major frustrations that we have in our life is when you rebel against God. It's a major frustration of ours. Because you you want answers from us, but you rebel against what you know God's telling you to do. You see, so it's, it's a major frustration that when we care about you, and we, we were helping you and we're leading churches and we're doing all this stuff basically to help you, but then you rebel against God. See, but then we're tempted as pastors to go, what's the matter with these people? Or we look in the mirror and say, what's the matter with you that you have a church with people doing this? But then you go back and you read the book of Acts. I mean, excuse me, you go back and you read Genesis through Revelation and what do you, what do you discover? A rebellious people all the way through. So it's not a question of why are you doing what you're doing? Question is, why can't we, the human race, get on the same page with our creator? That's a, that's a, that's a question for me. But what it does is relieves me of getting mad at you Because if I pastor mad at you, if I pastor going, wait a minute, I'm leading this church and these stupid people keep rebelling they keep lying, they keep having sex with people that aren't their spouse, and they keep doing all these things, and they keep treating themselves better, they're just so selfish, they're they're lying all the time, so if I just pastor with this bitterness and this anger in my heart, would that help us at all? No, it wouldn't help anybody, would it? Because you would call me and you'd say, Pastor, can we sit down for a cup of coffee? I'd say, no, you're an idiot, I'm watching football, bye. (laughs) So you wouldn't do that. But see, if I look at this and I say, oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Throughout all of human history, humans have been like this, oh, including me. Ooh. Okay, then. So what are the seasons in the Bible when people have revival or not? So that's the battle that you and I face, isn't it? You and I face a battle together that I can't get angry with you. i got to get in the mess with you knowing that I'm the same way. And we get in and say, wait a minute. We need to love each other and encourage each other, hold each other accountable, because without holding each other accountable, all of us are going to fly off the rails because people have been flying off the rails ever since people were created. And if we don't get on board with each other and love each other and care for each other enough and speak common sense to one another, then we're not going to move in a direction that's pleasing to God. So we're in this mess together because the human race is rebellious against its creator and always has been. So we need to get in this together. So Peter spoke of this fulfilled prophecy, and you're gonna have to do some homework, you're gonna have to study your Bible, and you're gonna have to listen with critical ears to the cultural voice. Thirdly, Peter spoke of the reality that is the resurrection. Notice this is what Jesus said, what happened when the Holy Spirit came. So Peter's like, hey guys. Uh, I know you're questioning. I know you're saying they're drunk. Common sense says they're not drunk. But the word of God says that this is what's happening. And then he goes to the main point. He goes to the main point. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pains of death, because it is not possible for him to be held by it. For David said concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, and I, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced, and my flesh who will dwell in hope. <coughs> I'm trying to... You see that? I'm trying Anyway, you, <laughs> you made it. This is still David speaking. Peter quoting David. You have made known to me the paths of life. You have made me full of gladness in your presence. So after Peter says, wait a minute. Hey, guys, guys, listen. They're not drunk. This is the word, what the word of God was, had said. And oh, by the way, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And for me to help you understand that, let's go back and look what David said. King David saw this coming. King David told us this would happen. King David exemplified this, and you guys loved, loved King David, so he we went to a common source, right? Found some common ground. And he says, this is what happened. And he says, then Peter, coming back, he says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. So he pointed again, common sense to the guys we all know. David said that he saw Jesus. David said, spoke this about Jesus, spoke the resurrection, what happened. We know that he wasn't talking about himself in that passage because we know where his tomb is and we know that he's still in there. So obviously he was talking about Jesus. So he says, being there for a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, which means the abode of the dead, nor did his flesh see corruption, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Notice how he gave them this great logical explanation of what was happening. He went to a common ground, he explained to them what that common person was, was telling them, and then he pointed out the obvious, that the tomb of Jesus is empty. The tomb of Jesus is empty. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know... For certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So in all of the craziness, and in all of the doubt, and all of the questions, and all the accusations that come against Christians today, can we just let them argue about that and say, you know what, guys listen, when you say Christians are judgmental, yeah, yeah we can be that way sometimes. But this person Jesus actually raised from the dead. So Jesus raised from the dead, he's got some folks that aren't perfect. They're judgmental sometimes. Oh man, sometimes Christians can be narrow-minded, but Jesus rose from the dead. Sometimes Jesus, Christians can be hypercritical. Jesus rose from the dead though. Sometimes Christians do the worst things possible to each other. Christians have made some historically terrible, terrible mistakes. Churches have come unglued for so many reasons. There's so much in the Christian history of the church that you can point to and say, that was just so bad. And you might come to a church and you might be treated badly by a church. You might be hurt, you might be offended, you might be um, ostracized, you might be treated badly. A pastor might do something and say something to you that, that's totally out of line with what, what he should be saying, but Jesus is raised from the dead. Do you see all of these excuses and all of these things going on? Yes, tragedy strikes in our lives. Yes, bad things happen in our lives. The Bible says that our life would be like that sometimes, but Jesus is raised from the dead. See, the resurrection of Jesus is everything to Christianity. And I have yet to hear somebody reject Christianity because they've concluded that Jesus didn't raise from the dead. I hear a lot of people rejecting Christianity because another Christian did something stupid, or a pastor was hypocritical, or some tragedies took place in their life. But notice, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll have power to be my witnesses. And what are they witnessing to? The empty tomb for them. they, They agreed with everybody else that sometimes God is hard to understand. They agreed with everybody else that they were sick and tired of Rome, that they were sick and tired of the oppression. They were sick and tired of the high taxes. They were sick and tired of the pain. They were sick and tired of being ruled by somebody else. They were tired of it.
1: And I can imagine that every time they got alone with God and all that they were sick of and all that they were tired of and all that they were agonizing over,
0: that they wanted to give up on God. They were so tempted to walk away, so tempted to quit. But then they kept going back to this thing and they were wait a minute, but Jesus raised from the dead. And if Jesus raised from the dead, what he said about the future must also be true. So I will move through this pain. And I will move through this anxiety. And last I checked, people are screwy. So can I attempt to go to a church, and will I only follow Jesus if his people are true, if his people are 100% right? No. We follow Jesus because of one reason, and that is because he raised from the dead. And you have the answers to that. You can attest to that. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I know that there's a lot of problems and we can be accused by so much and questioned by so many. But you're not alone. You don't have to shrink back. You can continually do what Peter does here. I I wonder what would happen in your life and in my life if every time the church is accused of something, every time you are less than perfect, maybe you act judgmental or you're bigoted or you do something that Jesus wouldn't do. I wonder... If when people said, well, that's why I'm not a Christian because of what you just did, I wonder if you would say, have had the guts to say, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. I apologize for that. I, I need to make it right. And you, you, are, you have every right to be upset with me. But my poor, my poor execution of the commands of Christ don't determine whether he raised from the dead or not. Did you take, can you, every time Christianity is questioned, can you take him back? And it's going to require you to do some homework. Or just take me to dinner and I'll explain to you the different theories. Because <laughs> i studied the theories of the resurrection. The swoon theory, the twin theory, the uh, wrong tomb theory, okay? The switched body theory, okay? They don't make any sense. They don't make any sense. It could it'd take me about an hour to run through all those with you. They don't make any sense. The only... The only reasonable conclusion to the empty tomb is that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And from Genesis to Revelation, his people are having a rough go. We make mistakes. We fall short. But we got to keep apologizing, growing, and pointing people back to this resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Christianity in the church does not survive on nice ability to be. It survives on the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead. Now notice how this passage finishes. To those who were cut to the heart, in other words, those who were like, oh my goodness, you're right. To those, Peter called to repentance and baptism. Notice what he says, verse 37. He says, now when they heard this, they heard the resurrection. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And people said said to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Brothers, what do we do? Oh, that more people would ask us what to do. That more people would be coming to you and to me as we speak boldly in the name of Christ. Some will continue to question, some will continue to accuse, but some will ask you then, what do I do? What do I do? So says, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Change the way you think. That's what repent means. Change your mind. Change your mind about God. Stop rebelling against Him and start following Him. You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 says For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are afar off. Everyone whom the Lord God calls into Himself, so that means us sitting here today, right? There you are in the Bible again. That this promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. And remember, the Holy Spirit—the purpose of the Holy Spirit was to give you power to be His witnesses. But the power of the Holy Spirit, that in you is also to produce the fruit of the Spirit within you, which is love. The Holy Spirit also leads us and guides us in all truth. So maybe today, if you're struggling. Maybe the answer is, Lord Jesus, fill me with yourself. Maybe the answer isn't trying to do better. Maybe the answer isn't trying to start something new and stop something old. Maybe the answer is simply, God, fill me with yourself. Maybe every morning you should be praying. Maybe that becomes the answer to what you're dealing with today in your you walk with the Lord. So those who received his word were baptized I'm sorry, go back to verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. I want to finish up with two very easy sayings. And one of them is a challenge, and it is this. Avail yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit as you live among the questioning and the accusations. Did you just decide to do that before you leave here today? Did you take communion today? She says, Lord, I want to be available to you? So I want to be available, and, and when, when Christianity is questioned and accusations come my way, that I'll simply speak of common sense. I'll do my homework, be in the Word, but Lord, I want to be available for you to use in the people in my life. And then finally this. We cannot defend the actions of many Christians. We admit that, don't we? We, we just admit that but we can attest to the reality of the resurrection <coughs> and nurture those who turn to the Lord. We, we can do that, right? We, we can. And um, I think that it would be refreshing to our world if um, when Christians are accused of things, if we just agreed. So there's so many hypocrites. I know. I'm sorry I apologize if I've done that in your life. If I've ever done anything hypocritical to you, I apologize. And if, if, if I ever do that in the future, you have you have every right as my friend to look at me and say, you know what, you your, your religion doesn't believe you should do that, so why are you doing that? And you start giving people permission to do that. What, what a difference that will make. If we live in a world that's always defending itself, right? Always denying the things that it did wrong. Making excuses. Well, what if the church simply owned its stuff? What if Christians simply said, yep, that was me. I did that, and I shouldn't have. And please hold me accountable to never doing that or saying that to you again. Wouldn't that be amazing? So powerful that we just own our stuff in that way. And then when people come to you and they're in a mess and they're having problems, if you say, you know what, there's some some common sense things in in the Ten Commandments that we might be able to apply, for, apply to this. And You know, the good news is Jesus raised from the dead and his spirit is available to help heal all of these things that you're dealing with. As we take communion today, I don't know how the Lord is speaking to you about this text. And um, I don't know how it's done, it's directly going to apply to your day today, but I trust that it will. I trust that the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of you. And as you receive communion today, just know that you're loved. And that the point of the resurrection was, caused, was a conquering death for you. And you know what, you have more answers than you think you do. You are more powerful than you think you are. You're probably doing better than you think you are. You're, you're probably not as bad as you think. You're probably not as messed up as you think. You're not your worst day. You're not your worst decision. You're loved by God, cherished by God, and you're human. You're human, so, so let's get on with it. Let, let's be a people that own our stuff. Let's be a people that apologize. Let's be a people that don't make excuse. And let's be a people that bring unity to those that are around us in a place that is so divided. You you can do so much for God. So much. You just promised. I I think that many of you today and many people that are part of our church that aren't here today, I don't know that you believe in yourself very much. I, I, I think you look and go, well, the Holy Spirit fills those people over there and does that through them. And it does, it's always doing something. God is always moving through other people. And I don't think you've, you understand the power that God has and wants to pour through you. Stop leaving it to pastors.
1: We are not
0: with the people that you look with. We are not in your circles of influence. We are not in the places of tragedy that you find yourself. We are not speaking to the people. They won't come here. They won't talk to me. I invite people to talk to me all the time. No way. They're not going to talk to a the pastor. They'll talk to you. So you get on with it. You do it. If you need it, if you need anything, well, I know you'll. You shoot me a text. Ask me a question. I'll give you my answer. I don't know. It might not be very good. It might not be what you need. But I'll give you something. Start praying that the Holy Spirit would fill you. Start praying that the Holy Spirit would do what He said He was doing this book. And if you would just start speaking of the mighty works of God, common everyday, as some some parts of our worldly common, everyday horse sense. Obviously, they're not drunk, it's too early. So, what kind of common sense could you bring to the people that are around you? I think a lot. I think a lot. If God can take 12 uneducated men in Galilee and pour his spirit into them, what can he do through you? Great things. Stop limiting yourself. Stop thinking that you don't have the education. Stop thinking that you don't have the experience. Stop thinking that you don't have the knowledge. Just avail yourself to God. That's it. Ask him to fill you with the spirit. You will be amazed at what God can use you to do powerful, God loves you, you are valued, and you are useful to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you today. We ask, Lord, that you would, as we receive communion, that you would pour your spirit out into these folks, and that, Lord, they would become powerful world changers for you, and that they would be people that simply spoke common sense in a world that, that where it's rare that there would be people that would read their Bibles, and they come to an understanding that the world is the way it is because people are the way they are. and God said that that's the way people are, and we see it. We're not shocked by it. We're not um, at all by it. it. It is pretty much the way you said it was going to be. And so, Father, help us to keep going back. Help us to keep going back to the resurrection. That's our message. That's what we attest to. Among all of the different world ideas and ideologies and philosophies of religion, we claim that God became a man, was crucified and resurrected. We claim that. So Father, help us to stick with that. As we believe that, Lord, we believe that through us, through your church, that people experience the resurrected Christ today in the person of the Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would do that today as they receive communion. May they reflect deeply upon you. May you fill them with yourself. May the fruit of your spirit be evident in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.